Reese is blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. Uh, a lot of news this week. A big, big item to discuss. Uh, Pro, what is what is going on stateside? Still no fucking phone call from Lawndale. Nothing. Uh, nothing. A few texts though and a few tweets. Yeah, a few tweets because, you know, it, it's it's fun to do that way. But, yeah, I'm still waiting for it, man. These fucking NBA guys, it's just, you know, it's nonstop. <laughs> it's nonstop. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep we'll There keep is, a, is a bit of feedback out there. There is a bit of feedback about you criticizing the Spurs. There, there was, we need to clear this up. There was someone that said that you backtracked quickly, but I kind of sensed it as sarcasm. Do you want to? Do you want to put that to bed? Yeah, it was sarcasm. I'm not going out there fucking player development. I'm saying that that, that the Phoenix Suns seen Wandale see Wandale as an NBA player. The other guys didn't. That's got nothing to do with your development. It has to do with you don't view the guy as an NBA player. I view him as a very good NBA player. And now the Phoenix Suns. That they, they don't have, like I said, they don't have the nacho guy or the equipment guy working them out. They got actual real assistant coaches and everything working the kid out. I was actually trying to compliment the prick and I get a backlash for it. No backlash. I mean, I, I think um, the Spurs get too much credit for development because I would argue who have they developed in the last 10 years? Um, I think obviously Tim, Tim Duncan's a Hall of Famer, um, Tony Parker obviously, and, and, and Manu. But you know, I think I'd, I'd argue Manu had some pretty good credentials coming in. So did Tim Duncan. Okay, Tony Parker. But other than that, like it's they've had a lot of young players the last ten years. Um, could you argue Kawhi maybe? But uh, I mean, I, I guess development as a whole in the NBA isn't what it used to be. Um, but at the same time, I, I think Spurs. I don't think they're horrible at it. I just think they get a lot of credit. Um, they, they get too much credit for it, bro. That's my opinion. Well, I think I think there's levels of development, right? Like when when you see the Spurs guys that were so good back early on, you know, the Duncan, the Ginobili, the Parkers, and you know even Kawhi to a certain degree. Obviously, I think you see it. All right, they developed them into superstars. I don't think you develop superstars. I think superstars are God given. You know, in the sense that like you reshape them, you get them better at certain things. But like, if you didn't, if you never worked with Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan was still going to be a superstar in thirty of the twenty nine other NBA teams. I, I would argue Ginobili will probably be twenty out of thirty teams. He would have flourished. I think Parker would have flourished in at least half the teams. You know, and I think that's important because if Parker played, you know, somewhere else, if he got drafted by the Boston Celtics at that time, his career would have went different places. You know, in my opinion, it's like Dirk. We talk about like Dirk's supposed to get drafted by the Boston Celtics when Rick Pitino was there. If he did, I think his career in the NBA would have taken a, a completely different path. Um, the Spurs, I think, do a really good job developing players, but I think that you're all, you're you're handcuffed to a certain degree of like how good that player can get. I think you can maximize. Like you're talking about like Jacob Podol, right? Like you're not gonna. I don't care who's working with him. You can get. You can get the Mount Rushmore of development coaches on Jacob Odell. You're not gonna you're not gonna turn him into Wilt Chamberlain. You know what I'm saying? Like so I think the Spurs do a good job. I just think that if you don't get the right talent, that those guys are just gonna become good players. They're not gonna become great. I don't care how good or bad your development is. But we always joke about the Spurs and stuff, but um I think. Look, don't get me wrong. I put on record. I'm not saying they're shitty. I just, yeah. I just think they get too much credit. I think it's always like, oh, the Spurs are the pinnacle. I think they, they, they're good at it. They're not. I don't think they're, you know, the bee's knees or like this, this kind of 
matrix of play development. That, that's my my point. I think they get a, a lot of free passes, and they've been they haven't been that good for you know since their, no, their hall of famers have, have all retired. So it's no, it's not. just one of those things that I observe. Anyway, let's get into this. Okay, our friend Mr. Sarver in Phoenix. Um, there's a lot to, to cover here, and we will be joined by, or I will be joined by. Pro took the night off. I'll be joined by a special guest. No, 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 whoa, 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 back the fuck up. I just talked. Don't to blame eight me. Minutes ago, I talked to you eight minutes ago, and you go, "Oh, by the way, I got a twenty minute uh, interview with you know with uh, with Strauss." Okay, thanks, bye. And then I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what?" So this is where it stops. This is in court, like. This is in corporations where people get- We're segueing you out, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting segueing out for you somebody. Out. But you're, anyways, the Robert, you're, the, you're the Sarver of the Rogue Box pod. We're just kind of going to give that's, you- um, That's not fair. But uh, yes, you just broke. We, we will have uh, Mr. Sherwood Strauss on for about 20 minutes after we cover our point of view on this. And he has a really- Really, really interesting take. Um, deep, deep, deep dive into everything going on. But anyway, he's suspended for a year. Mr. Sarver is. <laughs> um, that th- there is a lot to uncover. Look, he he has been reported to have said some ridiculous things, done some ridiculous things. I want to make clear, I don't condone any of the things that he said. Um, even though they are uh, brought on by interviews of people saying he said that. There's no smoking gun, a la Donald Sterling. Um, so that does need to be noted. There's nothing on record. This is all hearsay uh, at this point, but there was enough hearsay to suspend him for a year. There is a lot going on now. There's the head of the MBPA right now has come out and said, who is that? That is, uh, sorry, MBPA executive director, uh, Tamika Tremaglio has basically said that they demand uh, Sava suspended for life, a la Sterling. Um, Basically, the quote is, we are calling for a lifetime ban. We do not want him to be in a position where he's managing or engaging with individuals who are engaging with our players or the players themselves. We are absolutely clear from the findings that there in this report that we do not want him to be in that position. So it's very interesting that that, that there's there's, there's numerous ways to to look at this. Uh, I I believe that, look, whenever you... uh, interview people that worked for a big corporation and they've moved on, there's a lot of majority of people aren't going to have nice things to say about a boss or a CEO or a manager. Does not excuse the comments that were made. Um, does, in my opinion, this warrant a lifetime ban? For me, no. Um, I think, you know, with everything that's come out, I think a suspension, a fine, I think it's in that realm. The issue with this is there is a slippery slope because you look at it, the other hand, uh, Anthony Edwards Pro over the last couple of weeks has, has posted a video that many deemed homophobic, had, had made some inappropriate comments to some people he saw on a street and posted a, I don't know why you'd post that, but anyway, posted it on his Instagram in a video making fun of um, uh, you know the LGBT and the rest of the letters community. I, I, don't, I don't keep up and I'm not being funny. I, I don't know how many other letters there are, but people would look at that as saying that's that's pretty pretty controversial. Um, he most likely will not be suspended. He might get a fine. There's previous instances of players and coaches being involved in DUIs, being had criminal convictions. We look at KCP, uh, who I played with and I mentioned a couple of pods ago, who, who was still allowed work release to play in the league while he was serving a damn sentence. So there's a lot of, um, you'd say, hypocrisy within this because there's arguably worse things that have been done by players, coaches, and probably other other owners. Um that that were actual criminal offences that got much more lenient kind of uh, results, right? So that's a first thing. Um, 
I'm not sure if you want to get too much into that pro, but my belief is like every every boss, you don't excuse what's said. Um, I would much rather pro, in my opinion, if you're dealing with someone like Saba who has said this, I would much rather the employee or the, the, the manager or his executive assistant call him out on the spot and now people will say, well, you can't do that because you're going to get fired. I call bullshit to that because if there's other people in the room and you call someone out for like, hey, that's inappropriate, don't say that. And then he goes then on to fire you because you disagreed and there's witnesses. You're in a you're in a gold mine of a of a lawsuit, right? You're gonna you're gonna get paid out. You've got witnesses and you addressed it properly. I have an issue with this going years later than having an investigation because you, you just don't you don't know what is a hundred percent fact. Now there's smoke, there's fire. I believe in that, and I believe Sarva's taking his medicine. That's kind of where I stand on it. Um, and once again, for the bedwetters, I don't agree with the comments made. But um, where do you stand on on that part of it, first off, Pro? Well, I stand, first of all, that the guy is missing out on about 420 ass whoopings from the age of 12 to the age of 19 to figure <laughs> out what the fuck you should say to people or not. And I, and, and I truly believe that. The guy should have got his ass kicked, you know, in, in his earlier years to smarten the fuck up. Um, the way he treated people, it's just, I mean, the, he's the worst owner in pro sports, maybe besides the Washington Redskins guy, um, Snyder. He's easily one of the worst owners in the history of mankind. Um, the the things that he said as far as the, you know, using the N-word and, you know, even though he's trying to paraphrase and things like that. I mean, you've been around billionaires. I've been around billionaires. Like, there a lot of them, especially the ones that were born born into money, they they are like detracted from detached from reality. Like they live in their own world. No one ever checks them on anything. And they're just weird dudes or women. I've I've been been around mostly men billionaires. And they're just like weird fucking people that do whatever the fuck they want. He's like a frat boy that's just a bully. Look, we've all been around bullies. And the guy's a prick. Um, it's hard to call those those people out, you know. And I'm one of the most outspoken people, especially when things you, you you say something that's not right in front of me. And look, I've been bullied when I was at the Mavs. I've been bullied a little bit, you know, with with, with certain situations. Not to this extent, not even close. But like you do, you do feel a certain pressure because you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that rat. Like, and you're like, uh, you know, I probably won't say anything with this. Now, again, my situation was a lot different. Um, everybody that was around the guy, I've never heard that I've se- I've been friends with or, you know, acquaintance with. They all hated him. Like, there wasn't one person that said, no, Sarver's a good guy. He treats me good. Not one fucking person, folks. A universal. I would say about 50 people that I've talked to and spoken to over the years that, like, like interacts with the guy and they all hated him from coaches to players to, to what have you. Um, I don't think you should get the team taken from him. I think he's an embarrassment for sure. Um, you know, plenty of people had the opportunity to record the guy to get real hard evidence with them because like, this has been going on for over a decade and like, I could see if this thing went on 20 years ago and now they're resurfacing stuff from 20 years ago. They've been resurfacing stuff from a few years ago. Like people have phones, they record stuff. We know, we know the people who've done that. Like, why not? Like, why not get some type of hard evidence? And 
There's just hearsay. Do I, I think all that stuff, I'd say at least 85% of it's true. Some, some of the stuff they've said, because no one ever said that, like, he went at somebody and called them that the N word. Like, they had, he wasn't like racist towards people. You know, he was paraphrasing. It doesn't make it right by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, um, no one's come out and said, even the people that completely hate the guy that he's fired or done wrong by, like, no one ever, like, twisted stories and said, like, oh, no, he did this. Like, they, they're all basically the same, like, paraphrasing it, basically, like, why can't I say it when other people are able to say it? Like, he's one of those guys. And um, to me, he's a dick. The guy should have been gotten his ass kicked early in life to straighten himself out. And that I don't think you should take the team from him. I think a year away from it and 10 million bucks. I mean, I don't know what's fair or what's not. I think that, look, they the league dealt with it. I think Adam Silver did a good job dealing with it. You know, I would think without talking about it, and I don't know what Ethan said, uh, but like, I think that if, if Silver thought he was going to get the votes or had the votes and he thought that that would, you know, put him in a great light, he probably would have, he probably, took the temperature of the room and knows that he's not going to get the votes right now from ownership, you know? So he's probably like, you know, this is what, this is what it is. It's a year and 10 million bucks in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I think I agree with you. I think um, the actions are not warranted in today's day and world. Um, and I think one year's about, Fair for me. I wouldn't. I. I. I don't think there's enough to warrant taking the team off the guy. Right. Um, we knew as players he was one of the stingiest owners in the league. He'd never pay. You know, free agents wouldn't even go to him if they had a free agent on another team to even get a restricted offer. Right. Because it's like don't even bother with Phoenix. He'd barely even pay his own players. He's known to be a dick. Known to be. You know. And whether you, you don't excuse that for being a billionaire, but it is kind of an mo with a lot of guys. Social nuance is not high in the character of billionaires or social, you know, social norms is just not. And, and I know a fair few uh, people with high net worth similar to Sava and it's just not something that is a, is a, is a 10 out of 10 in their skill set. <laughs> it just isn't. It's factual, right? It's, it is what it is. But I think it's about right. My, my, my problem is there's no smoking gun to give him life. Um, the issue I think that people are forgetting or not forgetting that people don't know about is let's say they take the team off Sava, right? And I think Adam Silver, we're going to, I'll discuss this with Ethan a little bit at length, but there is a thing called discovery. If, 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 if Sava takes this to court, discovery would then involve opening other teams up to investigations. We do remember the Dallas Mavericks and their scandal a couple of years ago. That kind of disappeared. There was really no ramifications for Mark Cuban or the front office there. That kind of just went quietly and that could get reopened um, amongst other owners' uh, conduct. I guarantee you there's other owners in the league that have said and done silly things in meetings and, and to what extent I don't know, but I guarantee you there's probably some unhappy, I 100% guarantee there's unhappy employees in every organization in the league with something at some time that an owner or a GM said. That's just that's how the corporate world works, um, and I think that you know employees. Are, there's always someone that's unhappy with, or feels they're hard done by. It's a player-coach relationship, right, pro? It's like I'm, I'm getting screwed. I don't like this guy, so I'm going to nitpick it. Oh, I think when he said this, he he's, he meant this or whatever or she, right? So I think there's that part of it, and I think Adam Silver 
you know, read the temperature of the room of the owners and pro. Have we heard any other owners come out about this? I haven't. I haven't read one comment about one other owner coming out questioning the, the suspension in the one year. That's that's a sign within itself uh, to me. But the reason why I had Ethan on, he's, he wrote an article on his Substack. We shared it in our group. We, we chatted about a pro, uh, Ethan and I, and kind of went back and forth about different things. To me, he, he, he has kind of dug deep and, and old school journalism, which I'll touch on. We'll touch on it real quick and I'll get your thoughts on it, pro, before I go to the Ethan interview. Bob Eager, the CEO of Disney Pro, um, he former CEO, former CEO as, as of what, 16, 18 months ago, he's been on record as wanting to own an NBA team one day. And this was years and years ago before he resigned from, from, from Disney or, or moved on. Want to own an NBA team, specifically the Phoenix Suns. Would love to be involved with the Phoenix Suns one day. So you've got that. You've then got the fact that... Um, Bob Eager is the CEO of a company which acquired ESPN. We then have the story that broke was exclusive by ESPN. The investigation was exclusively given to ESPN and they broke it. So you got that. Okay, you might say that's, uh, that's a, little bit of a, a little bit of smoke there, but not enough to start a fire. It's just a coincidence. Chris Paul and Bob Eager are very close friends, very, very close friends that's dated back for 10 or 15 years now. I'm not sure how, but they had an interaction once upon a time and they're close friends. Why this matters is Chris Paul has now been the only player on record in the Phoenix Suns that has come out and and been you know, vocal about Sarver and him needing to move on and they're not happy with the result. There's a little bit of smoke there to me, bro. I think this this does not smell good. Uh, I have spoken to some people who know other owners in the ownership group, and there was someone in that ownership group that felt that a coup was brewing before the ESPN article broke to get Sarver out away from that team and have a new ownership group come in. Chris Paul has now, in the last few days, gone on record and s- said he would love to be an NBA owner one day. So you put all that together and... There is a bit of smoke there. I'm not, I don't think it's 100%. This is exactly what's going on. I think Sava's somewhat made his bed to, to be even in this discussion. If he's clean cut with no issues, we're not even having this conversation. But it's a cruel world, bro. And I, I just don't believe anything on face value. I think you can argue whether you think Sava's uh, punishment is appropriate or not for the year. Put that aside. I think this is now being used to get him out by other powers that be to perhaps take over an ownership group pro. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's, I think there's a chance of that. And I think that obviously, you know, the I, Bob Iger and relationship with Chris Paul, there's definitely something there for sure. I mean, if they're, if they're really close, like they are, and I've heard their, I've heard for years, they've been close, you know, back to his Clipper days. And I think if they are close, now, there's a lot that has to be done for this to happen, though. They're not just going to hand Iger the team and his group. There's going to be other groups involved, you know, with, you know, with, a, with some type of a bidding situation. Um, I do think there's smoke with this, you know, smoke and fire with it, you know, as, you know, as far as they, them wanting him out, certain things that have been said in the media. I think you could definitely make the case for it. You could also make the case for the fact that, you know, one of Chris Paul's best friends is LeBron James, who, you know, who has, who's part of the Fenway Sports Group that owns Liverpool, the Red Sox, the Pittsburgh, uh, 
uh, Pittsburgh franchise, the NHL, and they want an NBA team as well. So I guess you could say some stuff on that end as well. Um, you know how stuff is stuff is done, Bogues. Everything's done behind closed doors, and everybody wants to help their friends because, look, if you get five percent ownership in a team, you know, down the line, you're talking about five percent of like what, close to three billion. You know, you're talking about 150 to to 300 million, depending on what your stake would be in the franchise. Wouldn't be out of out of normalcy for me to think that they want him out and they want to put somebody else in there. But the only thing with this Bogues is like unlike the Sterling thing where he was losing sponsorship, um, his mental state was in, in, you know, indefinitely in question. There was a there was an audio tape. Everybody was beside themselves. You know, there was like player, you know, players were going to boycott. There was a talk of that. So like everything hit swiftly. I think it's going to be a lot tougher to get this team away from Sauver. And even if they do get it away from him where he they're forced to sell, I think he could sell who he wants to sell to. Unless the NBA takes it, a la Sterling. And well, they didn't take it. Yeah, they didn't uh, take it with Sterling. Yet. They forced him to sell though, didn't they? Uh, yes, essentially, yes, and it was yeah. to the highest bidder. But yeah. I mean, who, who knows? Who knows who the highest bidder was? It's all done by the NBA. It could be the best. The best, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it goes to the guy that offered the most money. It could potentially go to someone the NBA sees fit. That's a great, a great owner to, 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 to join the, the board of governors, right? And and you'd argue that the Clippers guy, what's his name, Barmer, is is that he's passionate, loves it. He's sitting courtside. So, um, it, and by the way, with the Cuban thing. The Cuban thing, he did pay ten million bucks, you know, with a deal with the league when they dealt with that sexual harassment stuff with the Mavericks. He did pay ten million back in the day for okay. that. Yeah, well, it's still to me, it, it kind of disappeared very quickly, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, compared to compared to some other things. And I, I don't know. I just think there's there's a lot a lot to unpack here. I think there's more than than we could ever know. And, and sure. like I said, it too, could be two 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 separate. Kind of circumstances, right? Like I'm saying, you got you got the Saba. That's just whether people agree or disagree with that. That's a separate thing. But I think these this group forming, I think, is gonna you know could potentially take advantage of what's going on as well and and, and edge him out. And I think that's why we're seeing you know that push from Chris Paul and and you, you even had the um, a board member as well um, with the Suns came out and said he should be gone in the other industry. He'd be gone now. I touched on it with Ethan a little bit. I, I think, look, I think the comments that that have been reported are are not are reprehensible and and are not good. But pro, I'd ask you if you had a microphone in an NBA locker room, don't you think it's a bit hypocritical for some of these players coming out saying this is wrong, this is you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that? I mean, I, I do. I, I've heard, you know, we've all heard reprehensible things spoken about in locker rooms at times, and and words used and language used and. Um, I just think it's a little bit hypocritical when 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 players come out and players that I know, players that I know, uh, come out and go on record with this kind of stuff and demand suspension, uh, demand expulsion for life. And you're like, I've heard you utter the same kind of stuff. Well, Bo, I got two words for you, Miles Bridges. Okay, like th- there's nothing. The Edwards thing, you could probably say, ah, uh, you know, it was a one time thing. You know, it was mild in the sense it, it, it's it, it's it was still said and it was still wrong. It was a little mild, you know, where like it wasn't completely hateful, da 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 da. 
Like, if you're going to say about, um, he's misogynist towards women, if you do not talk to Salver about, which I've, I've heard the comments and things, obviously they were out of poor taste, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like sexual harassment. He didn't rape anybody, not even close to that. He just said some awkward shit. Again, billionaire that fucking detached from reality. You know, Miles Bridges beat the fuck out of a woman. And not one NBA player said, look, if NBA players are going to say, you know, like, I want, I want Sover out. Okay, that's great. That you're, you're entitled to your opinion. But one of your people, one of your players, fucking completely. Now, that, that case isn't done yet, but let's be honest. I mean, we know which way the fucking wind's blowing on that. Like, not one player, not one fucking, not one manager, not one fucking, co- like, no one, everyone's throwing, everyone wants to get this guy and expel him, expel him out, but not one person said anything about Miles Bridges. And that's re- reprehensible to me. That's like, you're putting the hands on a woman, completely embarrassing the league. Don't get me wrong, Savra completely embarrassed the league with this shit, too. But, like, Bridges, com- like, I mean, he, that was, like... That put, sends chills up my spine, and no one player wants to spill, you know, say anything about that. Why? Because they don't. They want to be cool. That's my point. And yeah. people claim, oh, it's, you're engaging in whataboutism, pro. But it, it's a valid. There's, there's so much hypocrisy. Jason Kidd's the other one, pro. I mean, he was he was charged with domestic violence. I don't believe. I don't even know what he got suspension wise. NBA wise, I don't think it was much. I know he got traded. But I don't. I don't think. He, I don't even know if he was suspended back then, or, or I think he might have got fined. But that's another example, right? And and I don't, I'm not one of those people that don't, this is a different circumstance that believes kids should be now banished for the rest of his life. But there needs to be a bit of nuance in these conversations. It, it, you know, if, if a CEO is held to certain standards, then players and, and staff should be held to those same standards. Um, and and I just I, it bothers me to see players come out and say, "Oh, those comments are reprehensible, banning for life." When I know I know I know the conversations that that players out there and, and and locker rooms, much to LeBron's comments of. Of, of locker room talk, which doesn't exist, bullshit. We all know, like, be double bullshit. It's, you know, obviously you can address the Sava thing and say, look, you know, especially considering you're, you're the, the head honcho, you need to set a better example, blah, blah, blah. But then don't be a hypocrite. That, that's my only point with it all, bro. But um, we can go on forever with this. I want to, I want to, you know, go to the Ethan interview real quick, enjoy this. And um, it gives a little bit of a, a deep dive into how he even, found things from 10, 15 years ago. So here's that right now. And I'd like to welcome Ethan Sherwood-Strauss. He's been on Rogue Bogues numerous times, but specifically for this story that Pro and I just, just chatted about briefly, um, Ethan has gone on a deep dive. I love old school type journalism. Um, this is exactly that. So I want to get him on just for 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long it takes to explain this story more in depth than obviously Pro and I could because he's done a lot of digging and spent a lot of time. Ethan, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the shout out. It was a great, great article. Uh, for those that have not read it, um, go to Ethan Sherwood Strauss Substack, House of Strauss Substack. It is a subscriber only, so you need to open up your wallet and uh, <laughs> and donate to Ethan's um, children's college funds, if, if college is even around at that point when, they, when they're when they old enough, uh, Ethan, the way things are going in the world. But um, I'm, I'm doing okay now that Adam Silver is paying me on the sly because I defended him in this article. So at least, you know, uh, the, I'm not going to lose the house. So at least I got that. Is that, is that the rumor, is it? Is that the rumor? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just starting it. I just like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea of it. You know, in a way, I um, differentiated the site 
at the beginning because I was willing to criticize Adam Silver, which doesn't generally happen or hasn't generally happened since he took over in 2014 in a lot of uh, mainstream sports media spaces. And so when this Robert Sarver situation came down the pike, there were people reaching out and saying, oh my God, I can't wait for you to roast this guy. But the one small problem was I looked at the decision he made on Sarver and I really didn't have any issue with it when it comes to his prerogatives. And I felt as though in this case, it was the media that was being unreasonable and that Adam Silver was being fairly reasonable. Yeah, and on your Substack, it does mention you are, what is it, contra? What's the wording you use? Something along those lines that you... A contrarian? Is that, is that what you're going with? Is that is that the one? Yeah, there's or, something in your in your bio about you're, the, you're, you're contrary to the mainstream narrative, essentially, which which is, it is, is good to see. And it's not um, by strategy, it just is who you are. And I, I like the fact that you can differentiate different things. But but getting into this, look, um, the Sava stuff, you know, what's been reported is obviously not great. Um, I have a problem with it just because I'm not excusing anything that he said or done. I'm sure there's been some interactions that are, are not great. But I think if you go to any big corporation in the world um, and you – interview every employee, you're going to get back similar type stories. Um, now, the race stuff, definitely disagree with it. any of that ever being played out. Obviously, he's, he's reported to have berated a, or, or gone after a pregnant woman saying that, you know, she can't work as hard, blah, 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 right? But we got to kind of separate that to a number of different things. You, you go into the realm of players and, and, and the infractions that and the, I guess, poor decisions that players have made, the coaches have made, DUIs, domestic violence. I mean, there's there's guys that I think you mentioned your article, Jason Kidd, domestic violence was traded away in playing. I didn't mention that in the article, but yes, that is something that has happened in the past that, that Jason Kidd has done. And I mean, uh, another guy out there who was demanding Robert Sarver get fired uh, was Matt Barnes, which, hey, hey, it's, that's his take. That's his opinion. But that's not exactly a, an unblemished record uh, when it comes to the things that, that he has done. So it, it is interesting. There does to, there does seem to be some selective morality uh, in these cases. And I think a lot of the commentary is more motivated by not wanting to seem like you're in favor of the bad thing that was done uh, than anything else. And I know people might say that's a cynical read, but I've been in media and I've been in the NBA industry for a long time and it's been long enough to make me cynical. Yeah, and you, you can not agree with things that have been reported, um, but you can also have a different take on suspension length, should he lose the, the license or the, or the franchise or the team for life, all that kind of stuff. People will then obviously refer to what about ism when you're bringing up players, infractions, coaches, but there is a double standard there. Um, there definitely is. I, as a former player, would argue that if you uh, put a microphone in a locker room, technically uh, over the course of a season, everyone in that locker room would be cancelled if they were in the corporate world. Uh, come on, come a- on, come on, Andrew. LeBron said that there's no room for sexism in our game. I don't know what you're talking about. I think that's uh, that's a, that's a stretch. That's a stretch right there <laughs> to think that. But to what you're getting at, this is part of what makes things complicated. Is that this is not like working at the bank. Right. I, there, something funny happens. And I think it helps me write a few articles that there's this big gap between how the NBA actually is and frankly has always been and how it has to present itself to the world as much cleaner than what it actually is. And no matter how much HR culture creeps in, no matter how many 
owners get banned or players get fined or you force Anthony Edwards to apologize for just uh, randomly saying homophobic things to people on the street and putting it on the internet. Um, you're not going to change the nature of the beast, which is a very high testosterone product where swashbuckling young men uh, do this kind of combat in front of millions of people for hundreds of millions of dollars. It breeds a certain culture. It's show business and it's also a little something else. And um, you're not, you're not going to make it clean. And maybe, maybe somebody could argue that it should be cleaner. And there's obviously too far. You couldn't have, I mean, you couldn't have players or owners just walking through the offices. Um, and there are offices with, with NBA teams and like just groping women, right? That's something that you could not have, but it's also just not going to be corporate America at the same time. And what that ends up doing in some of these cases we're seeing, um, it, it sometimes provides an opportunity for these power struggles. And, I think people might have already forgotten about the Danny Ferry situation where he was the GM of the Hawks and he said something uh, about Lul Deng um, and said, I think he's got a little African in him or something like that to insinuate that he was sort of uh, a, a bit of a, a swindler or whatever you want to say. And he said it in a private conversation where they were just talking about scouting reports on players. That instance where Ferry got fired was part of a power struggle between the owner and the minority owner at that time. And so there's something interesting happening in some of these cases where the taboos of the era are being used by cynical people to try to acquire control. And when I see something like the Sarver situation in the Suns, um, there are a lot of interesting things happening there. You know, the minority owner stabs Sarver in the back immediately in this case. And or in the front, I should say, and a lot of rumors, a lot of discussion around the league about how much of this information that's out there is coming from him. Other things people are noticing: Bob Iger reported to be interested in buying the Phoenix Suns specifically. Bob Iger, friends, great friends with Chris Paul, says he texts him seven times a week, talks to him four times a week. I mean, that is a friendship for one of the busiest men in corporate America. Uh, he recently left Disney, which owns ESPN, which has been driving the bus on all of this coverage. Um, <laughs> I mean, I am not trying to impugn whatever coverage they have there. It was questioned by Robert Sarver and ultimately validated by the uh, lawyers who looked into it. So, um, you know, what was reported appears to be quite true, but are we watching in totality morality or are we watching a hostile takeover masquerading as morality? And that's kind of what my article is about along with some other things. Yeah, and I'll get into that in a second. I, I, I totally agree with your uh, kind of looking at NBA teams and the gap between, you know, what the NBA is presenting itself to be, to what it is. I think using the word big is an understatement there, Ethan. I think <laughs> it, it is beyond an understatement. I'll, I'll give you one example. You, you've been around locker rooms. Have you heard the term pause and sheesh? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Have you? <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. So that that was basis for, for context. Um, there was a phase in the NBA uh, and professional sports as a whole where if you said something that sounded, you know, uh, more on the LGBTQ side of language, um, where you might say something like, uh, a coach might say, you know, get in a stance and get up in him. 
And mm-hmm. someone would say, sheesh, because it sounded kind of, you know, yeah. male to male, put two and two together. This was this went on for years in an NBA locker room, years when I was in the league. I, I, I would sometimes say things and get sheeshed by someone or paused by someone and I would, I would start to get pissed because I'd be, be on the court. At, it got on the court at times, Ethan. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this where you'd say something like that and guys, you know, guys want to banter and have fun and, and and all that kind of stuff and make fun of each other. But you'd be in the middle of a hey, close man, game. You take it. You, you take an issue with it, it's a little sus. Yeah, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, everyone was involved in it. I probably did it a num- number of times. Um, but it was. It started to become frustrating for me because you'd be on the court and say something, and someone would be like, "Sheesh, pause! Oh my god, I can't believe you said that." But anyway, just an example of of, of, of let's not be hypocrites here when when now everyone's for the course publicly. But moving on from that, um, that I mean, the, the stuff that you broke hasn't really been covered anywhere else. And this is what I've, I've been searching the internet for. Uh, ESPN obviously is not going to break it because for those that don't know, they're owned by, by Disney, former CEO, Bob, Bob Iger. Um, it's been noted he, he wants to join an ownership group or be an owner of an NBA team, specifically the Phoenix Suns. Friendship from Chris Paul relays back to what, 2009-10 somehow. Um, it, it's just the old saying of where there's smoke, there's fire. I've got a breaking one for you, Ethan. Um, another minority owner, uh, I'm not going to say who it is or how I got this information, relayed that there is, when speaking to someone, um, that there is a, a kind of takeover type plan. Um and did not th- did not think that it was fair, and that this was brewing before the article uh, initially was broken. Of course, by ESPN. Let's not forget that they broke this story and they went through it. Now, for all the people out there, the bedwetters, they're going to fire up and say, "Well, what he did was wrong." I'm, I'm not agreeing with any of the comments made. I'm not agreeing with any of that. I think as it's adults, it's like you this can- idea: are we just getting used by this thing that is wrong to be manipulated exactly. by people who don't give a fuck? And are just using it for their power game, and that's it's just very cynical and manipulative and fake. And I think that's really what the conversation I, I think that we're having is about: is that it's not about I don't know creating a better world or just making the world safe from Robert Sarver. And it's complicated because Sarver is reputed to be an asshole and not especially fun to work with, but. I know and that's been people. known always, Ethan. Like yeah. it was, you know, he's been a stingy owner, never wanted to spend money. We knew that in the league. Everyone knew that. Agents would never go to, to Phoenix um, when a guy could get a max potentially in free agency. They just wouldn't because they're just like, these guys aren't going to pay anyone. Doesn't pay homegrown stars, doesn't pay whatever. I'm sure he's had interactions where he's been an asshole and, and, and that's yeah. unfortunately. Well, I, I know you know people with the Warriors and I know people with the Warriors who have worked for the Suns and the general take and maybe this will get aggregated, is that this is all a little overblown. Not that there's nothing there, right? Or that it's completely not the Robert Sarver they know, but there is a sense that you can excerpt a few things and you can completely paint a picture of somebody that is a bit exaggerated. And it's also complicated by how it's about his entire 18-year reign and he is reputed to have been worse at the beginning. Now, still an asshole and still an asshole is evidenced by how when the reports started to come out, it was just deny, 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 otherwise known as lying. Um, so look, I mean, now, now we're just getting into this different conversation away from the morality. And this is more the real politique. Somebody might look at that and say, 
Well, he is not remorseful and he is not accountable and therefore he needs to go. And I would say, theoretically, yes, that makes him a worse person, but that also makes him more dangerous to the NBA as they try to prosecute this case. Because somebody who has been laid low and feels shame and feels remorseful is more likely to slink away and say, okay, give me my couple billion dollars. I feel bad. I'm going to go away. Somebody who is resentful, who thinks he's done nothing wrong, and who is talking big, uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I know he's talking big, but yeah, maybe uh, talking big about well, this guy, did, this guy did yeah. this, and well, this guy did that, and these other owners did stuff that was so much worse. Uh, Robert Sarver's the kind of guy to take that approach, and so there is a danger to the league in trying to take him out and take him down uh, in service to this hostile takeover that is using morality and everybody weeping these big tears on ESPN and everything else. Yeah, and that's a, a very valid point because for those that aren't familiar, if let's say Sava got banned for life, took this to court, there would be a discovery process, correct, Ethan, where yes. I believe other teams could be investigated as to say, well, this owner did this and only got this, what's going on in other organizations, blah, 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 blah. And we haven't heard one owner comment on this. Now, they don't usually comment on things like this, but Cuban's one that's pretty out there and open about all topics, hasn't said a word because the discovery process would air some dirty laundry oh. from numerous teams. So I yes. think that is to your point of why Adam Silver has said, you know what, he's made some mistakes. Now, this isn't, people are comparing this to Donald Sterling. Like there's no, the thing with this is there's no smoking gun recording. There's none of that no. stuff, right? It's so you, you have to vague. factor that in. Like, like 30,000 foot view. It's very open, view. yeah. Yeah, 30,000 foot view. There are a bunch of these things. There are these tidbits and there's the, using the M word five times over the course of his team, referring to it being used, not using it, um, you know, in the 1930s sense, but whatever, it's still very taboo. Um, but I don't think if you ask the average sports fan what happened here, they could give you a clear picture versus the Donald Sterling situation, which was news and TMZ covered it up and down. And there was the recording of him saying all the awful things. And he was also this creepy scumbag who was not really a part of the NBA. Um, and people didn't really know him like they know Sarver. And it was just easier to kind of cut him out. And it was made easier too. And this gets back again to, what is the realistic way that you get somebody out? You need the owners to vote on it. Um, you had enough of that for Sterling. And when it comes to the lawsuits and property rights, Shelly Sterling was on the family trust and wanted the money and wanted to get out. So the NBA had an in. I don't think they have those in. So what can Silver do? He can give him the maximum $10 million fine. He can give him the year suspension. And what we're going to see as part of this hostile takeover, if it is indeed taking place, they're going to try to exert pressure in other ways, I think, um, until maybe it's just not worth it for him. You know, maybe he comes back. Which has started already. PayPal yeah. has already yeah. pulled out of, of being the major sponsor. There'll probably be others. But remember, Ethan, this is this is a small market team that does receive a subsidy regardless. <laughs> so yeah. So, yeah. so if, Sava, if Sava wanted to just play hardball and be like, you know what, I'm not selling this under any costs, as long as it's a break even for me, I don't care. It's like a middle finger to everybody. The NBA still in the collective bargaining agreement because they're a small market is going to have to top them up and make them hold into the season. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
and and I mean, I don't know as far as sponsorships and everything else. I don't know what's behind the PayPal decision. It was interesting to see some media members reacting to it, and I have to say, revealing perhaps an ignorance of how money works because it was, oh my God, he's messing with the money. He's going to go. And it's, that's his money. That's, that's the sponsor for the Suns. I mean, that doesn't affect the other owners and it's not that much money in totality. So um, yeah, if you get more of that and it impacts the league uh, on a whole, that's one thing. I think maybe the danger for him is just that Chris Paul, who used to run the players union plays for his team and you're hearing more and more noises out of the players and you're hearing uh the uh the woman who runs the uh the players association saying that he should go and lebron saying he should go and if you get this drumbeat from players in the sense that maybe they will do something i think that exerts more pressure um i it's just hard to see it does feel a little bit like a bluff in a way because we saw it in the 2020 bubble where there was that brief threat to effectively go on strike and then when they looked at what that would mean and what that would threaten um, in terms of money, uh, I think that, that they blinked, frankly. And so, um, yeah, look, none of us really care, I think, if Robert Sarver uh, owns the Suns or not, or we're not here to defend him. But I think the media gets wrapped up in a moral crusade and isn't aware of these other factors and how it could actually damage uh, the league overall. And one thing I mention is, Part of the appeal of owning an NBA team is that it's not taken from you. And certainly that it's not taken from you over the course of a humiliating process where they they rummage through all of your trash and they interview, as is the case with Sarver, over 300 people uh, who work for you or used to work for you. And it's taken from you and you've got to slink away in shame. That product is not as appealing to own as the product where that never happens and there will never, there's never a threat of it happening. And so that, you know, somebody would say, well, why should I care about that as a fan? I don't know if you should care about it as a fan, but if you're running the NBA and you've got to remember the NBA lost tons of money during the pandemic, what got them through that? They took out huge loans. They maxed out the loan amounts. They maxed out the credit card. And all of their loans were based on the idea that the money spigot would turn on again and the money would flow again and they would make they would make everybody who loaned the money whole. Now, let's say the value of a team starts to go in the wrong direction. Let's say we are in a recession. And there are some cascading effects to that. You know, I, I think that there is a risk here um, when it comes to devaluing the owning of a team that I think is easy to dismiss but could become very real because so much of the league's financial health has been on the basis of the idea that team values are just going to keep going up and everything's going to keep going great. And I think that's one of the reasons that you see Adam Silver in a role that surprised the media uh, of not being so eager to try to, you know, get, get Robert Sarver out of the league in the way that he did with Donald Sterling. That was a different league with Donald Sterling. The NBA was riding high. They had just signed their big TV deal. I mean, it wasn't official yet, but they had signed it. The biggest TV deal ever by far. Um, the ratings were going up. You had LeBron on the heat. He was going to go to the Cavs. Things were great. And Donald Sterling was unique. This is something I think a lot of people in NBA media are blind to is that the league is in a weaker state right now than it was back then. It's going to get a better TV deal. That's going to be cool. 
but the attendance is far lower and they're getting a lot less money from attendance after the pandemic. And that seems to have not recovered in the way people want it to recover. There are, you know, again, they're going to get a good TV deal, but it's not going to be what they would have thought it would be about five years ago because they have half the viewers uh, that they had. And so they're just not in the same position to do something like try to ban an owner. And as much as everybody hates owners, there's a reason that they get put up with a lot of the time. Yeah, totally. Um, it's 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 a kind of a tornado of different things and different factors. But I mean, Ethan, I love a good conspiracy theory, and this is not even a conspiracy theory in my opinion. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of smoking guns that are concerning um, when you factor in Chris Paul. He has just recently came out and said that he would love to be an owner at the end of his career too, Ethan. If you if you weren't aware of that, so. There's that little, uh, you know, piece of candy that's also being sold. It's, it's one of those things where we, we don't want to assume too much, but there's so much circumstantial evidence oh, that it is getting comical at a certain <laughs> point. Where he's like, "I'd like to be an owner of a team uh, where it's warm, you know, and the air is dry." And no, he didn't say those parts, but it's feeling. Yes, there there is something interesting there, and there are a lot of hey, we can't tell you exactly what's happening in some of these smoke filled rooms, but. I just know that behind the scenes in the NBA, a lot of people are talking, a lot of theories are flying around. Yeah, and Chris is the only Phoenix Sun, as of today, I haven't checked, that has come out and publicly commented on this and and kind of um, said that he's, you know that Saba essentially should be gone. One, one, one final question. How did you come onto this story? Was this, because you, you actually circled back and found quotes from Bob Eager back in, you know, whenever that was, 2010, that he's good friends with Chris Paul. Was that something you read and then just it's automatically locked in your brain? You kind of, oh, I saw that? Or was it, did you just go into deep dives? It, and it, it lodged it in my mind. I mean, Ramona Shelburne had covered uh, their relationship and written about it. And I remember reading about it at the time and thinking, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Like, that's kind of wow. strange. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kind of yeah. strange. You know, it, it's one thing if you hear that an NBA player is friends with one of the most famous business executives in the world. I guess that's not so strange, but a little odd just that Chris Paul's not LeBron. He's not at that level. So it's kind of, it was sort of, okay, well, that's that's interesting, you know. And, um, and then, you know, combine it with that degree of friendship. You think about, you know, how many phone calls Bob Iger probably has to take over the course of a day and how hard he must work. And he's he's talking to Chris Paul every day and he's on the phone with him four days, you know, four days out of seven. I mean, I, look, it lodged in my mind as a detail that was an interesting detail. And then when I went to Summer League, people were talking about this. People like the rumor mill was going about Bob Iger and the Suns. Now, I don't want to go too far and say this is totally what's happening here because i'll be honest i don't know you know you you watch a show like succession which who knows how realistic it is but a, a lot of what's happening is very powerful people on the golf course yapping it up and maybe this happens or maybe i don't even think there's a golf course scene in succession but you know what i mean that like there's a lot of informality with stuff like this and you don't want to you don't want to assume too much. I don't want somebody to take away from this that we exactly know this is happening. But again, it's circumstantially interesting that there were reports of Bob Iger wanting to buy the Suns, that there are reports of Bob Iger being close friends with Chris Paul. And uh, Chris Paul is the only Phoenix Sun at the moment of this recording who has come, come out and said that the owner of the Phoenix Suns must resign. I mean, it's all very interesting combined with the media institution Bob Iger ran until pretty much concurrent with his exit 
uh, launched a massive investigation into a mid-market NBA team that really almost nobody gives a fuck about and has never won a championship. I mean, it's a little weird. (laughs) It's a little weird. I I, I I don't want to impugn the great reporting of Baxter Holmes, whose reporting is proven correct, but all this circumstantial (laughs) information is a, it's, it's a little strange. Well, time will tell. I mean, time will time will be the great, um, <laughs> you know, fix it all this, right? Like, in a year's time, if if, if Slava's out and it's a, uh, Chris Paul retires and joins an ownership group with Bobby Egan <laughs> and LeBron you know, James, it's just and a little LeBron taste James. of it. Yeah, or yeah, it's just, just or like, who knows? Maybe it's simpler. Maybe it's just um, you know the minority owner. You know, or coincidental, or maybe everybody was just so outraged and they couldn't take it anymore, Andrew. They couldn't take it anymore. Uh, this Robert Sarver situation, and he had to go, and all these other owners who are exactly the same, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. I described a type when it comes to Robert Sarver, and I'm sure you've encountered this, of kind of a nerdy guy who buys an NBA team and he wants to be one of the fellas, but he's sort of socially awkward about it. And he's talking about pussy. And he's talking about you, you know what? I, like this kind of guy. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. And there's sometimes there's some inappropriate things said. And and look, um, you never want to condone. I'm gonna you know the sexism, racism. Of, of course, you never want to condone any of that. But I've seen owners say some things um, that weren't sexist or, or racist, but they were inappropriate in a in, in a certain environment, and they didn't even know they were doing it. They thought oh, this is this is how we banter as an athlete. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so I've seen that so many different times with executives and people in suits, and it's it's the uncomfortableness of them trying to be comfortable and, and and become one with the athletes, which will never really happen. You can't, like, that, that gap is very hard to, yeah. to, to to fix. But yeah, you make a very valid point, man. Like it's, it's and, and this is that situation. I'm not excusing what was said, but like I said, to me, there's no smoking gun. There's no, you know, a lot of it's hearsay. I can, I can tell you for a fact, most NBA teams, if you go and do a deep dive like this, you're going to get a very similar result. Bar probably... You know the, the silly, the silly epithets that um, Sava used when he was relaying a story. I believe he used them. He used them. You know, instead of saying this is what they said and bleeping yourself out, he actually used the full word, which is stupid in itself. But I can tell you, a lot of NBA teams have been in trouble. I mean, you just circle back to Dallas <laughs> not so long ago. That just disappeared. Like, and no, there was no, there was no ramifications there. I mean, one guy lost his job or got got, got moved on. Like, it's. It's just Donnie Nelson getting offered a massive contract before uh, before getting fired. Um, you know, concurrent with this situation with his nephew having an executive uh, allegedly uh, come on to him in an interview setting. The whole thing. It was just you know, you know the media the media lost interest if it ever had it. Um, and mm. <laughs> that one was, uh, that one was very interesting. And a lot of these situations around the league are very interesting. And so we're watching a, a battle for control, a battle of, for control of the Suns. I don't, I don't, my thing is this, again, you could make the argument that the media should be looking at this and that owners should be cleaning up their behavior and not running the place like a frat house. And I get all that. I just don't want to act like a child and pretend as though the $2 billion property that is the Phoenix Suns is immaterial to this conversation and isn't motivating anybody in how they're talking and acting publicly. That's all I'm saying. 
And I'm, I'm just not in favor of looking at what seems to be, again, uh, a hostile takeover masquerading as morality and only talk about the morality. I just don't. I, I don't think that really serves at least my interest and in a lot of the subscribers who they want to know what's really going on and what's happening behind the scenes. And I think a lot of them can only take so much of all the rending of garments on ESPN about how sad and mad we all are when, let's face it, and hardcore NBA fans are into this, but a lot of people, they really just don't, they don't care too much. Yeah, I would agree. Check out House of Strauss Substack. Thanks, Ethan, for joining us for a quick second and just kind of breaking this down. I really like the story. I love the old school journalism. I'll say it again. Um, I follow a few people like yourself, also in the political world, that do these deep dives on things that not many people talk about. And I, I love I love the old, I kind of picture you in your trench coat with a cigar and a rolled up newspaper, just kind of going door to door to NBA, NBA executives asking questions. And they're just like, oh shit, this guy's here. So um, real good article. Congrats and appreciate you joining us on Rogue Bugs again. Thanks for having me and thanks for the promo. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Thank you very much to Ethan again for joining us. Um, joining just a different you. take. I hope, I hope people enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Jo joining you. Joining, uh, you. joining me. Yeah. Uh, pro, pro couldn't make it. He was at Sizzler. They had a, they had a, a lunch, dinner combined special on, so okay. <laughs> he couldn't get out of the buffet. <laughs> but no, I blame, uh, I blame Ethan. Ethan scheduled a time with us, uh, which was going to be right now when we record Pro. Yep. And I won't give the reason why. I don't want to throw him under the bus, pro. But he had to he had to cancel, and then I had a, I had a spare afternoon yesterday, and I said I can do it in the next three hours if you want, and we squeezed it out, pro. So should we throw him under the bus or not? Uh, nah, no. I, nah. I, I do. Because I wanted to come back on the show one day. Yeah, sure. Maybe maybe both of us could be there that next time. <laughs> I gave you the day off, pro. Put yeah, your feet thanks. up on the couch. All right, Dennis Schroeder, pro. Back to the LA Lakers. Um, on $82 million less than previously offered, bro. <laughs> this one still gets me because I just, I still can't believe you turned it down. I still can't believe you left that money on the table. But nonetheless, he's back with the Lakers. Now, they have a bit of a guard log jam there, bro, mm -hmm. um, don't they? No, yeah, they got more than that, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's... I think it's a good pickup. I think it's a good pickup as far as I think... It, I think he's worth more than the two or two and a half million they're paying him, much more in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I think writing on the wall for Westbrook, they got Beverly as well. LeBron handles the ball a lot. So there's an elephant in the room there, someone getting moved. But um, I, like, I like to pick up for the Lakers and great job by Palinka. Like just a stout negotiator pro, he saved the Lakers $82 million. There are resume, resume fillers and this is definitely one, man. If you saved them 80 million bucks, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. All right, Clay Thompson, love it. He calls the NBA 2K workers bums, bro. Um, no, I don't mean, I don't think he means the actual people behind the scenes doing the coding. I think the people that do the 2K ratings. So obviously he's not happy with his 2K rating. Um, and it leads to a bigger discussion, bro. I, I don't know why players get so rolled up with the NBA 2K rating, pro. It's, Both. you know, it doesn't change your bank account. It doesn't change your stats. It doesn't change your, your value in the off season or your role, or your minutes. It's, it's, it's a beauty contest essentially. And yeah, it's done by people who, you know, Ronnie 2K and whatnot that they get a lot of them very, very wrong. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is, 
so we were both at Harrison Barnes's wedding, and Ronnie 2K was there, and I got no issues with Ronnie 2K. I, I'm not really a 2K guy, so I don't I don't really care. He's asked me to to post my 2K ratings a few times on socials, part of promos, and I didn't want to do it because I don't care about 2K. And I just remember how much players used to suck up to Ronnie 2K Pro, like like trying to get in, even at that wedding, trying to get in these good books, you know, oh, yeah, what's up, man? Let's have a drink together, blah, blah, blah. Like trying to get, I'm just like, over oh, a 2K rating pro? Like it's just Folks, crazy, man. It's a crazy world. It's taken over the world, man. Like, so I was at this weekend, I was speaking, um, they had this like underclassmen camp in, in Dallas, like all the top players in the Southeast all from sixth grade to ninth grade. And you want to, like, I tried to talk to players about, you know, pick and roll, this player, that player, barely any interest. You want to start talking about 2K? Those guys wouldn't shut up about it. That's all these kids do. They like they don't work out. They don't play. They'll work out with their trainer for like 30 minutes to an hour, and then they're home, and they're playing 2K. Like, they love this game, and it's such a phenomenon with the young people, in, our, in, in at least the United States, and I'm sure it's, it's global, but these kids love it. And then like, it's just a, a, a style. It's just like a status symbol for NBA players, you know, with their ranking and stuff. It doesn't matter. No one gives a fuck, but they do. And I'll tell you what, they were like schoolgirls around him at, at Harrison's wedding. And it's probably gotten 10 times worse. What was that like five years ago, right? Six years ago when he got married. And yeah. I, it, it's yeah. gotten way worse, like with, with people fawning over him and, that's what they do. And look, you know, it's, you know, people will kill to be treated like a god even for a few moments. And this guy, man, this guy's on top of the world with NBA players. It's fucking crazy. What did he say, though? He Like, um, he's just not happy about his rating or, you know. I assume it was to do with his rating. And then and then Clay further went on to say, I don't care about 2K, blah, 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 blah. Or any 2K clap back and said something like, well, I think Clay said he hasn't played 2K since he had a Sega Dreamcast, which was which is like a good 20 years. Oh, I don't even know if it was on Sega Dreamcast. Nah. Um, Ronnie 2K said, well, you, well, he must care if he's commenting, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I don't I don't care about it. I mean, Hassan Whiteside had a 2K, get my 2K rating t-shirt up one year before he even signed his max deal. I'm like, bro, I'm pretty sure the max, the, uh, the, the big contract's more important than your 2K rating. But each to their own. I just thought it was funny. Love it, Clay Thompson. He's a, a call it as he sees it. He's never going to hold back. He's not filtered. So we need more players like that. Pro, we have another hacking in the uh, in the NBA Twitter world. Pro, another hacking. Um, <laughs> um, rest in peace to Doc Rivers. He has apparently been hacked. Now you think it's legit? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. He's. His uh, account has liked a bunch of pornographic material, bro. Um, you know, probably not the best place to, to do it if you're a head coach of, of an NBA team. But his likes were filled with with pornographic likes. The hack thing, I'm not sure. Look, if I'm hacking someone's account, I'm probably going to do more damage than just pop a few likes on some porn. Um, that's just me if I was a hacker. And we know NBA players love to um, throw out that I was hacked. I mean, I'm surprised Anthony Edwards didn't use that that, that that line, someone, you know, an AI used my voice and posted that on my Instagram because probably half plausible. People might believe it these days, but you believe this could be true, pro. You believe he, he was really hacked. Folks, I'm just saying like for a 19-year-old kid to do it, I'd be like, yeah, he's probably dumb enough to do it. But like I got to see a doc smart enough to know that like if I like this, 
you know, if I, he's not a 90 year old guy trying to use social media. Like if I, I don't know, that's, that was going to be my argument. You, you knocked it out of the park. The old, older people aren't, he's, he's not that young pro. What is he? Sixties. I mean, yeah. they're not, they're not that, they're not that in tune. I've, I've, I know some 50, 60 year old family and friends who send, send emails to the wrong people all the time. You know, they, they try to send you an attachment and it's a photo either, of a frying pan hey, from their folks, kitchen. Like either way, like e- either way, it's not good for him. You know, I don't know. I don't care. It, it, look, if you want to, if you want to fucking fuck around with porn on with your Twitter account, go right ahead. I'm just saying. I think he's got enough sense that like he's got to know that people like you know people are gonna see that. But again, this is a weird world we live in. So I don't know. I'm gonna say that he's got enough sense that he's gonna know that that's gonna be. But again, our up is down, left is fucking right. I don't know. I'm just waiting for the asteroid to hit Bogues. I'm just fucking. I'm just so. You know. <laughs> well, I didn't see. I didn't see what he liked. I didn't go into a deep dive, but there were it. there were um, sources saying that he was he liked a lot of three on one um, porn. You know, in reference to his three one leads in the in the playoffs. Oh, fuck. <laughs> there, what, we there we that's go. That's what I've heard. I, I could not. It might not be true, but three one was kind of his his fetish. But. Uh, Get uh, get that unhacked, old, old Doc Rivers, and um, yeah, move on with that. Remaining, okay, pro, we're gonna play a little game. We're gonna sure. play a little game. Let's do it. Remaining NBA free agents left. I'm gonna go through some names. You've got three categories, so get these right. You know, write this down. There's three categories you're gonna give me when I mention each name. Guaranteed before camp, which gives us what two or three weeks. Um, midseason pickup slash ten day merry go round, or time to retire. You got those. Uh, I'm, I'll put it in my notes right now. Let's retire. Uh, guaranteed okay. before camp, mid-season pickup slash 10-day merry-go-round and time to retire. Get on your bike. All right, first one, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Oh, I, I think he's guaranteed. I think he still played pretty well yeah. last year and you can do a whole lot worse. Uh, Blake Griffin. Um, retire. You want it? You think he should retire? You think he's done? He's, uh, he's definitely not guaranteed. All right, I'll put him in the midseason. I, I'm gonna. No, I talk I'm you off big, it. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm not a big peer pressure guy, but you talked me into it. Midseason. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably. I'm probably. Yeah, pick up after midseason, meaning after after camp. So, I think he'll get picked up if there's injuries. Eric Bledsoe. Uh, mid midseason. Midseason. Agree. Midseason to me. The Marcus Cousins. Um, midseason. I think somebody's gonna. He he is still pretty productive. The problem, though, I can't tell him to retire. He's too young, and he is productive. The problem is everywhere he goes, fucking people hate him. Like they end up hating him. Unfortunately, <laughs> like he's he, the sovereign of NBA players. Oh uh, no, fuck. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he is, but like it just you know it's like you know it. it his talent level, he should be guaranteed even at this age. No doubt, saying. yeah. But I would mm. say mid-season, definitely not retired too young. Yeah, same, mid-season slash injury. Hassan Whiteside? Um, mid-season, too young. I'm not a huge Whiteside guy, but like too young. I would say mid-season. What do you say, retire? Agree, mid-season. I, I think, no, no, I think mid-season. He's too young. He's too young. I mean, you can use a, a rim-protecting backup big as you're 10 to 13 on a roster. Your guy, Rajon Rondo. Mid-season. Mid-season, for sure. 
mid-season won't get a pickup before Cam. Okay. Well, I, sh- think, I think – He should, but you know what? Like, he's smart with his body. Why the fuck? Like, if you're a vet like that, if you're a vet and you're needed, like, if you're like LaMarcus Aldridge, right, like, and someone offers you today, you might want to take it, get your legs going, da, da, da. Like, but if you know you're going to be picked up and, and the same team will be there in December and January that are saying, oh, come to camp, like – some guys are like, ah, fuck that. I'm not going through that shit. Like, I'll stay in shape. I'll stretch. Skip training camp. Skip training yeah, camp. Skip October, yeah. November. Yeah, and then I'll come in. And come in, do your 48-hour physical, and that's it. Run on the treadmills, you're, all the conditioning you're doing. There you go. There you go. What do you say? <laughs> I like it. I think he might get picked up before camp. I think there's some teams that, that could use a, a nice backup point guard, and, and you know, the problem is he's got he's – a, he's a polarizing guy, right? You either love him or you hate him, so he's probably got he's probably got a split – bench a split kind of NBA head coach slash assistants in the NBA. So he's probably alienated half the teams and half the teams love him. So I, th- I think he might get picked up. We'll see. Dwight Howard, pro? I, I'd say mid-season. I think that, like, I'm just talking reality with this stuff, with, you know, when I'm not saying camp or before camp or whatever. Like, I think Dwight Howard's been productive the last one or two spots he's been at. Like, this year I thought he was pretty good. You know, like when, when they threw him into the fray of things, I thought, you know, he was JaVel McGee 2.0. Like he revitalized his career, meaning being that third big or whatever, or backup. I mean, he was pretty productive when he needed, he needed to play minutes. Um, so I do think there is a spot for him. Problem is he's the wrong position because people don't like his position these days. But I think that like you need a big banger that could guard, you know, bigger players, especially come close to playoff time. I say mid. Someone out east, surely. Yeah, like Miami or uh, Brooklyn, one of those teams that has a Boston, bunch of. Boston, like Boston's got Luke. Even Cor- Boston, yeah. Boston's got Luke Cornett. You know, he's the Ryan Brokoff of big guys in the NBA. I mean, he's a guy that you would think that's like doing your taxes. Like, like you got Dwight Howard right there. Go sign Dwight Howard. You know what I'm saying? Like you're mm-hmm. you're trying to get a championship. Especially with Embiid sitting out there. You, you're going to yeah. have to go through Philly with Embiid. So I can't – yeah. I, I think, look, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a mid-season and I think it's going to be someone out east that's going to sign him to tool up. You know, Embiid's going to come out and, and, and go bonkers in the first half of the season. You're going to have some teams out there shitting themselves saying, shit, if we, if we face these guys in the playoffs, we have no run really to, 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 to be physical with him in the post. We'll, we'll bring him in as, a, as an insurance policy. Um, so I think he gets picked up mid-season, even maybe in the first month or two of the season. He won't get, get, a, get a guarantee before camp. Alfred Paint, Payton Pro. And by retire, I mean out of the league, so they could go overseas. So you, Yeah. No. Um, I would say for him. I'm going to go. He's going overseas. Yeah. Top to retire from the NBA. But, yeah, I would say, know, I would say that. Loosely. He's, you know, Bogues, he's one of those guys that like people have been giving him chances. Like I think Phoenix was the last guy that gave him a chance. You know, he cut New the. York. Yeah, yeah, like he just, it's one of those guys that like. He's a solid defender, but yeah. uh, really nothing else there offensively. It's like I take Rondo over him, for instance. Um, yeah at the PG spot. So I think he's going to have to play his craft overseas maybe and then try to make a re-entry. Wayne Ellington? Um, I would say camp. I would say before camp. Good veteran. Um, like he's answered their bell, you know, wherever he's been. He's been a solid player. You know, not a great player anywhere he's been. Good shooter. Great shooter. He, I'm always surprised that he's kind of left this – He's always floating around like he's he's a great feet set three point shooter with a value of threes. I, I'm I'm surprised that he's not 
more valued as a 10, 11, 12 guy. Like you can't, they don't grow on trees, these fish, they're shooters. I agree. But you know what, Bob's like, when you go a year or two without really making a big splash, especially when you get older, you know, ageism in this NBA with, you know, especially players, like they start labeling you a little bit like, oh, he lost it, this and that. But he's still good enough to be an end, end of your rotation guy, could knock down shots, he's smart, he's always a high-character guy, never in trouble. Um, I think someone's going to assign him now. You know, the problem is a lot of these teams want these younger guys. We've talked about it on prior shows. You know, it's going to be hard for them to really get, you know, get a real chance to get into a lineup or whatever. But I think I think a team would be like, you know what? We got a young team. Let's, let's bring him in. We might need him in February or March. You know, he's good to have. I think I think he's going to sign before camp. Okay. Same. Yeah, I think he'll get signed before camp. Uh, Kristen Thompson. Hmm. Um, I would say mid-season. I would say mid-season. Yeah, same, same. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's quite gone yet. I'm taking. I'm taking Dwight, even potentially Whiteside over Tristan. As far as playing ability, I think they can give you more on the court. I think Tristan, maybe if you want that veteran presence. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not totally sold on him getting one preseason. Lamarcus Aldridge. I, I assume you're staying mid-season after your conversation. A couple of minutes. I, I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say mid. I'm going to say mid-season. Yep, same. You? Yeah, same. I think he's it'd be a smart thing for him to do with his body. And and, and, and don't forget, he took a year. How long? He was out of the game for a year or two as well and then has come back the last two years. So. About a year. Yeah. Uh, Avery Bradley? I would retire. I would retire. Yeah, I, I think retire as well. Um, can be a can be mid-season pickup as a floating veteran, but I think um, he should have been that last season and it didn't eventuate. Uh, Rodney Hood? Retire. Retire, yeah. He's, he's fallen off, man. He, he was a... You know, I think he. I've heard he's got, he's got some issues um, with anxiety and whatnot, like throwing up before games yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah. he was a bucket in Utah, man, and I oh, felt like yeah. that was a perfect situation yeah. for him. And he wanted out. Remember, he wanted out and wanted greener pastures. And be careful what you wish for. It's just fallen apart since then. So I think he'll get. He could potentially get picked up mid-season. Maybe a team that's kind of flirting around eight to fourteen. Starts shutting guys down. Are they, are they slash tanking? They need a scorer to come in and just make sure the fans still come and watch games. He might be might be that guy, but sure. this might be his last hurrah pro. Isaiah Thomas, retire. Agree. Retire. Yeah, retire. I, like a small scoring guard. Like you don't really bring any other role to the team besides getting buckets, and you're not signing a 10, 11, 12, 13 guy to get your buckets, bro. Let's be honest. It and it just hasn't it hasn't worked the last couple of years. And I think he's a good player. Um, I know he got hurt when he was in Cleveland or whatever. He had that problem. And, you know, he, he's played in Washington and in L.A. and in some places. And it's not like he's not good enough, but, like, he's up there in age, the height thing. There are only a certain amount of pl- teams that would take a, a smaller guy. And, you know, if they're not knocking down your door early to do it, it's really hard. And, and look, we just rifled off about, what, 20 names. And a, a lot of them are in his position. I get it. But there's a lot of people that want jobs, and it's not, not not that easy for them to get back in. And, you know, there are some pretty good names on that list. And it's a hard, it's a hard road, especially when you're on the outside looking in. And he didn't do anything, like, off the court or whatever to get him in this position. It's just timing his situation. size versus, yeah, timing versus his health. You know, it's just all, 
It's just all bad shit. He's a good guy. I like him. It's just, I just think he, I think he should move on from it. I think he could play overseas, go to China, whatever. I'm make not a sure why he hasn't. I'm not sure he wants to keep that dream alive in the NBA. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even the NBL, man, like he'd be, he put bums on seats down here. So um, it'd be a good place for him to go. Uh, last one is Jeremy Lamb. Um, I still think he's got a little bit left in the tank. I would say like mid-season. I don't think anybody's going to give him a, um, you know, a guaranteed deal before camp. I don't think it, he's quite because he's a he's a like an assassin, you know, scoring. Like he does score a little bit. Um, he's not a guy who's going to run your offense or anything. But like he's, you know, he definitely could come off the bench and score a little bit. I think that there's still a, a place for him. It's still a 50-50 shot if someone's going to give him a chance, but I don't think he should retire just yet. What, what do you say, folks? Yeah, I think mid-season, 10-day 10 10 day merry-go-round, he'll get, he'll get another deal. Uh, he just won't be guaranteed before the season. So still a pretty good list of names. I mean, a lot of them are older, but there's still some good players out there. And then on top of that, you're competing with G League guys trying to take those spots. So as you said, very competitive in the NBA. Um, as far as roster spots. All right, real quick, let's just mention Dabble. Dabble is betting meets social media. On Dabble, you can follow your friends, your mates, experts. You can see who's trending, whose tips are going well and whose are not. Scroll through trending bets and copy them all in one tap, nice and easy. So if you do a 10-game a, a multi, uh, in different sports, whatever, and, and you like what someone, I've, for instance, I've done something, you can just copy and paste it straight to your account. You don't have to go through and do them all individually. It makes it easy. There's, nice. there's obviously, there's, there's chat forums on there, pro. You can go on there and talk shit in, in the NBA forum or the horse <laughs> racing forum. And, 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 and that, I know a lot of people enjoy that banter part of it, which is really, really good. Get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets. And most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Bogut, all one word. Uh, around NBA time, we'll do some more betting. Right now, it's quiet time as far as that all goes. But go download the app. It's Dabble on uh, wherever you get your apps from and Dabble socially. And of course, you must gamble responsibly. Pro, Eurobasket, did you watch a final? I did not watch the final, but I did see that Spain won. Good for them. I love yeah. it. They, they did beat they, they beat France. Herman Gomez, tournament of his life. He had 27 in, in the final, bombing threes from everywhere, rolling. Um, you know, just, just yeah, played out of this world, I think. He's, he's, he's a, at a very, very good tournament. Um, and they took, they took Rudy off, at, you know, out of the paint a little bit. Rudy didn't have the best game. He was, he was very, very quiet, actually. Um, Poland's miracle run came to an end with a loss to France in the semis and Germany beat Poland in the bronze medal game. Um, Schroeder was in the mix, I think, for MVP, but the MVP of the tournament goes to Herman Gomez, which has been questioned by a lot. Look, I like the way that FIBA does it. They really incentivize winning with their voting. Um, if you're basically not in the top four, there's a very rare chance you're making the All-Star five even, pro. Um, so... The torn, MVP of Tawny Herman Gomez, 17, 7, and 1 a night. So not mind-boggling numbers. The All-Star 5, Lorenzo Brown's in there. Um, obviously, one of their better scorers for, for, for Spain. Herman Gomez is in there, obviously. Rudy was in there with 12 and 10. So maybe probably a guy that could have been omitted, but they made the final. Giannis was the only guy that didn't make the top four that was in the All-Star 5, uh, 29, 9, and 5. And then Dennis Schroeder made it at 22, 7, and 2. A few quick snubs for you, Pro. I don't know if you'd trade anyone out of that All-Star 5. I, I would. I think Markkinen was a definite snub. 28, 8, and 2 a night. Um, 
But then who are you taking out? It's that argument. I mean, maybe I take out Lorenzo Brown or, or they do it more position. So it would have to be Herman Gomez or Rudy. Jokic, 22, 10, and 4. I think he had good numbers, but they, Serbia bombed out early, fizzled out early to Italy. Luka Doncic, 26, 8, and 6. I think that's the other one you could have put in there. They made the top eight. So do you put any of those guys in there, pro? In the All Star Five, or you think they got the All Star Five right? I mean, you heard so much about Lorenzo Brown throughout the whole tournament, but I mean, Luke. It's hard to keep Luca out of there, man. The shit that he did throughout throughout that tournament was was amazing. Um, but Brown did make it all the way to the final, and I, I think I like how they incense, you know, they they give you an incentive to win in the EuroBasket, especially with putting people in the top five. I think they got it close to being right. I think that, you know, I think that Greece made it you know far enough for Gian, you know Giannis was definitely going to be on there anyway, but I think they made it far enough for it. I would keep it the way it was. I mean, I think I'm making two trades, bro. I'm making two trades. I'm kicking out Lorenzo Brown for Luca, and I'm putting Markinen in for Rudy at the at the four, moving Herman Gomez to my five. Um, I think just based on numbers, like I mean, Markinen had a hell of a tournament, man. He had a forty ball. No one expected them to be half decent. They were pretty good, and and Luca was Luca. So they're the only two I change. But I can't argue with incentivizing. I just can't argue with you, you. Got guys that are winning games. In the top four, I mean, for for an MVP of a twenty to only only be at seventeen and seven shows you that FIBA definitely is pulling votes towards your team at least being in a top four run for a medal. So can't hate on that. Eurobasket was fantastic. I enjoyed following it. Didn't watch a whole lot of games live because of the time difference, but um, I enjoyed following it. And, and I always love you. Always love to see upsets, and this was this was no different. Besides Spain winning, of course. I mean, they're just a juggernaut of an international team. You know, seeing teams like Italy knock off Serbia and and Poland on a fairy tale run was good to watch. But um, Eurobasket, till we meet again in four years, useful or useless, pro? I've only got one this week. It's a little lazy, and there's not a lot of stats floating out there. There's some Eurobasket stuff which you just mentioned, but um, this one is Michael Jordan game worn jersey from Game One of the NBA Finals in 1998. I believe that was was that the shot that Steve Kerr? No, MJ hit the game winning game one, right? Against Utah, mm-hmm. I believe I, it, it, I believe he did. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think it was when. Uh, yeah, I think he reached, didn't he? Um, good old uh, Brian Russell. Yeah, my memory serves me correct. All-time record for sports memorabilia pro. What do you think it went for? Uh, I would say about eight million. Close. So Maradona, the hand of God jersey. Uh, do you know Maradona is pro? I know you Americans don't follow soccer. Yeah, soccer player. Come on. Do you know what the hand Come of God on, is man. then? Ooh, uh, got, no, I don't. Got your ass. So he headed the ball in for an important goal, but actually used his hand and hit it, and they didn't, they didn't pick it up. So it was called the hand of God because they counted the goal. His jersey, when he scored that goal, went for $9.28 million. Michael Jordan's jersey, now an all-time record, $10.1 million pro. So, man, we, we always talk about the GOAT and this and that, and to, to see a game-worn jersey from one game, okay, of the finals at $10.1 million, I mean... MJ just gets it done, bro. I think it's useful for sure. I mean, it just sort of gauges where he's worth. And, you know, we always say about great players, right? Like great players, sometimes they're a flash in the pan. They're like meteors going across the sky. It's like they're loved at one minute. It's sort of like the Clyde Drexler argument, right? Like Clyde Drexler is a great player, Hall of Famer, but totally forgotten by 98% of the basketball public. You know, nothing to do with it. It's just, it's over time. MJ just carries it over time. 
you know, Muhammad Ali, him, Tiger Woods, like there are specific athletes that are just, I mean, they're just juggernauts for 30, 40, 50, 100 years. And I think that that MJ just, he's just on top, man. It's just hard. It's hard to ever fathom that any other athlete that could overtake him as far as the best of all time. And I think you gauge it towards with things like this, where a game worn jersey from 24 years ago is going for $10 million, 10 plus, and, you know, breaking records. The guy's, the guy's ridiculous. Besides not being able to sell his mansion in Chicago, the guy's been unbelievable with, yeah, uh, that's been there you for know, a while, with things like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he's, so. the, he's, the, he's the Rolex of sports memorabilia. Like, he's, you know, if yeah. you want the best and the most well known, his memorabilia just goes crazy. So, definitely useful for me as well, Pro. What do you have this week for us? Well, all right, folks. We're talking Phoenix Suns. Fact or fake news? Chris Paul will be in the ownership group at some point of the Phoenix Suns. I can't say, I was about to say the next ownership group, but if if he does sell in the next year, Paul cannot be in that group because of the fact he's still playing. Will Chris Paul be an owner of the, uh, you know, a part owner or owner of the Phoenix Suns at some point? Fact or fake news? I will, f- I will fact it if Bob Eager is involved, yes. That's my that's my one asterisk. Um, but yeah, if, if something happens soon with Saba, uh, I would anticipate Bob taking over or being involved somehow. And I think Chris will get a shoe in once he's done. So I'll say fact for the most part, but a little bit of, you know, there's a lot to happen between then if, if, if Saba does get the team taken off him, if he does sell, all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a high possibility. So I'm leaning towards fact. You? I say fake news. I think that I think that if if he does sell, that somebody else is gonna that we don't know about is gonna come in with a mega offer, like a, an offer above above and beyond what Iger and his group is gonna bid for it. And I know you say the NBA handles it and all that, and they could sort of dictate. I'm saying that there's gonna be there's gonna be a pretty good offer from somebody we don't even know about. You know, that not even thinking about. Same thing with Bomber. Like, when Bomber took the team, there was a bunch of people that were in on the bidding, I remember. I'm not if a, I don't know if A-Rod's group was in that or not, but there was somebody that was like, oh, yeah, he's going to get it. And then all of a sudden, Bomber just came out of nowhere with his, you know, with his uh, with his offer. So, I say fake news. I, I don't think he will be. And I think somebody else is going to come in on it. So I say fake valued news. They're valued one. at one point eight billion as of today. One point eight to two billion. Um, Sava bought him for yeah. four hundred million in two thousand four five. So he's made a nice little uh, gain on that. But that's what they're valued at. I'd anticipate if there's a bidding war, it maybe goes low to mid twos. But um, that's where the Suns are sitting at the eighteenth most valuable franchise in the NBA. Yeah, and with the with these with these you know franchises just keep on going up and up and up and up. You know, I, I think the t- the people are going to jump on it, and I think there's not going to be any shortage of bids. You might even get somebody way high, you know, higher than that. Now, remember, the Clippers got bought, folks, for two billion. They don't own their own facility. They, I mean, they didn't own their own. They don't own the arena. They, they, they don't own anything. I don't even think they own their own practice facility. I think they were still leasing it from from. Um, I think they're still leasing it from Sterling, if I'm not mistaken. I think Sterling himself owns that uh, practice facility, and that the Clippers, you know, the Clippers did like it's. It was crazy to me 
that like if they had their own facility, if they had their own um, arena that, yeah, somebody will bid $2 billion for it. But it's crazy that somebody bid $2 billion without them owning anything except the organization name and some jerseys, I guess. But it's crazy. I, I But I think with all these fees going up and all these teams continuously going up and then the revenues going up for the league, I think that someone's going to bid up. It might be some like razor blade company from China or something, but who the fuck knows? But like, I think somebody that we don't even think TikTok. about is going to yeah, like, TikTok. it's going to pick TikTok, right? All right, folks, fact or fake news. Dennis Schroeder will be the starting point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh, it's a good one. Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, wow, if they keep their roster too, no trades. Oh man, um, I, I like Schroeder personally off the bench for most teams because I think he gives you. I think he's a great off the bench. Gives you a good burst. Can score. Can facilitate. But he might be the best offensive playmaking guard on that team. Um, you know, not including LeBron. I, cl- I classify him as a forward. So at a, at a Russell and. Uh, I guess Russell can get you the triple doubles, but we just haven't seen it on the Lakers, right? Um, so I could be wrong on the playmaking thing, but uh, with LeBron on the team, that you know the guards are off the ball. So long-winded answer: I think he still comes off the bench. Um, I think you lose Russ completely if you bench him um, if he stays on the roster, and I think Beverly brings a, a different dynamic uh, defensively for him. So they, they might even go with a defensive lineup potentially, but. Um, and Beverly shooting the three ball better than he, than he has in previous years. So I would say he's going to come off the bench. So fake news, he won't start. Fake news? Yeah, I say fake news because my argument of the NBA baptism argument, which everybody's baptized before training camp, non-shooters become shooters, bad people find God. Um, you know, everybody's just... Westbrook is going to be reprogrammed. He's going to be Russell back, you know, the, the 2011 Russell Westbrook. Um, everything's going to be solved. They will start him. Everything's going to be great. We're going to, you know, happy times are here again. I think he starts. I say fake news. I don't think Schroeder starts. I think um, I think a lot of people are going to like make memes about it, and you know, you'll probably hear a lot about it in the, in the media. Are they going to start him? Westbrook and all this stuff and. You know all that bullshit, but I I think that they will start him. I don't think that anybody wants to go through that. I don't think uh, Darwin Ham Darwin Ham wants to go through um, that whole thing early on in his career where he's he's bringing him off the bench. I think I think they start him. So I say fake news. Okay. All right. So the Las Vegas Aces, folks, they won the WNBA championship. They just won it a few hours ago. Becky Hammond will be an NBA head coach this coming offseason. Fact or fake news? Fake news. She's going to go back-to-back now. She's locked in for life with the with the WNBA pro. Um, but no, <laughs> fake news. A million bucks a year, man. Sorry? Yeah, yeah she's, making some, she's making some cash. Fake news. She's not, I think, I think you know, I think she's done a fantastic job there and just to, to come out of it, I, I don't think the WNBA championship means much in your interview process for the NBA. That's just my opinion. I, I, I don't think it matters. Uh, have we seen it? Have we seen someone go from WNBA head coach to NBA head coach in NBA history? I don't think we have, have we? Could be wrong fact checkers, but I'm pretty sure that hasn't happened. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think she's, she will still need to work her way up to, you know, maybe a, maybe a best case would be a head assistant spot somewhere. Yeah, I, I think she's going to become at some point. It just like... 
the WNBA championship, if if it was crowned in, I don't know, if it was crowned in like April or May, there could be enough like, why, you know, oh, yeah. we told you, you know, I just think because it's being crowned in September that it's going to get buried a little bit. She will be a head coach in the NBA at some point. I just don't think it's going to be next year. I say fake news. There you go. I agree. All right. That wraps up another episode. Pro, thanks for joining us for this episode. Unlike the Ethan one, it's nice to have you on online with us. And we will see everyone next week. See you guys later. Wandale, give me a fucking call, would you? <laughs> Let's get rogue.